0: The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Chairwoman of the Eructus Media Committee says there's been a considerable overlap when examining the RTE controversies. Neve Smith says the duplication of witnesses being used for both the Oireachtas Media and Public Accounts Committee's examinations is resulting in negative public commentary. Now, to explain all of this is Fianna uh, Fáil for Kevin Monaghan and Chairwoman of the Oireachtas Media Committee, Neve Smith. And uh, to give us the, the latest and uh, how... The confidentiality issue might be handled. We're joined by a political correspondent with the Irish Times, Jack Horgan Jones, who's been uh, writing about that uh, turf war uh, in this morning's paper. Good morning and welcome to you both. So, uh, Neve Smith, good morning. How are you? Uh, now, this uh, turf war, you mightn't like the term, but effectively, you have uh, written uh, to a parliamentary body uh, saying there is too much duplication and your job is to look at RTE and these particular issues, and you've got to do your work first.
1: Well, good morning, Pat, to you and your listeners. Um, just, to, I suppose, to set the context for this, there is an oversight committee uh, within the Iraqis that has that very job of oversight with committees. This is the Committee
0: so- on Parliamentary Privileges and Oversight.
1: Correct, correct. And it is their job to see that um, committees are doing their work in a fair and respectful way, and I suppose that there isn't any duplication. So at the very, very outset, when the revelations did break within RTE, Obviously, media is one, is our remit. It is uh, the Department of uh, Catherine Martin, which uh, covers arts, guilthalp, heritage, and media is a section of that and is therefore a part of our committee work as well. So the Oversight Committee would have written to us at the very beginning to ask if we had any issue with pack. Uh, following uh, up with RTE and on the revelations as well, and at the time we said absolutely that's fine. We we can both do some really good work here. Um, over the months, as as, as um, stories broke and various things happened within RTE, it did become a difficulty and a challenge in the sense that um, there was I felt some duplication, and it's not just my own view to Pat. It's it's the collective view of the committee itself, um, that there was some duplication, and mindful of the fact that some of the members of my own committee in the media also sit on PAC. So, for example, um, Deputy Amanda Munster, Deputy Alan Dillon, um, they sit on both committees. Um, On one occasion, we did have uh, two meetings on the one day, which was difficult, it has to be said, for for the witnesses because they were the same witnesses and it, in effect, meant they were in in front of uh, the committee, both committees for seven hours in one day. So um, my understanding is the PAC needs an extension on the time that they can um, over or work on on, on RTE. And therefore, the Oversight Committee wrote to us again to see if we had any difficulty or observations uh, on extending PAC's uh, time to work on RTE. And we did sort of have a discussion as a committee to say, you know, it could be more useful and less duplication if they were done at separate times. And that was really what the, the observation that we made moreover to the Oversight Committee to allow us to con- finish our work out with RTE and to report on it and then um, to allow PAC, obviously, to ha- do whatever work they felt. But it was really just to yeah. avoid Now, no,
0: PAC would probably say, listen, a lot of this was about money, about how money was spent, Um so really you know, we are the people who should be investigating them. I'm I'm not putting words in Brian Standy's mouth. He's not interested in any kind of tug of war, he says. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you, you know, it is all about money and packages and severances and all the rest of it. And he might properly say, this is our job.
1: Well, well he, he would, and that is right. But our job is also to look at oversight and governance. And that was the main thrust of our work uh, so far. We're not particularly... I'm not saying we're not particularly interested in, in, in the money, but our last hearing, which invariably did um, pose questions on money, was about the exit packages. And they were the two reports that RT commissioned themselves. Therefore, we, we did have an onus and responsibility and duty to interrogate that with witnesses. So I have no issue, uh, really. It is just to avoid duplication. And it is to try and, I suppose, f- spread the work out mm-hmm. and ensure that witnesses are not under too much pressure in one yeah. day.
0: Uh, now, the, the question of of the com- comptroller and auditor general getting involved here, um, uh, RTE's business does not come under the comptroller and auditor general's remit, but there is some murmurings that it should do. What do you say? <laughs>
1: I, I think that's a good idea. I, I think it could um, help and support RT in their work. It could help, more importantly, to instill confidence in the public who are watching on and probably find it difficult at the moment to um, to stomach paying the TV licence, let's be honest about it. And I think it would help that piece of work that has to be done to uh, bring confidence back to, to the public and to give the, the government and the minister also the confidence in funding yeah. Uh, future future funding for RTE. I think it's it's a it's a good idea, and I think the minister's behind that idea as well, and I think RTE it could facilitate and support them in their work in the future
0: yeah now uh, RTE employees auditors we know that they've uh, you know different uh, companies of accountants uh, involved in uh, their overall reporting. I mean we've had the Grant Thornton reports, but they also had their own auditors uh, Deloitte, who signed off on on uh, the annual reports. That's normally the way it is done with a semi-state. You have an a- external auditor who comes in and checks that the, the books are fine. Um, mm. Have you had any of the auditing people before you?
1: No, we haven't. And, Has the PAC had other.
0: any of the auditing people before them?
1: Not that I'm aware of, and it probably is more their remit than ours, to be honest with you. Our I'm just
0: wondering why, you know, they given if, if the controller auditor general is now going to be doing the job that they're RT's auditors would normally do or are we going to be double audited you know by a firm of auditors who in effect that firm will be audited by the comptroller and auditor yeah. general
1: well, there was there was a detailed discussion about that at our last committee hearing about the auditors and about uh, their role in this too and uh, Ann O'Leary who chairs the uh, Risk committee did confirm to us that they have signed up to um, another year. I think it is with their with their auditors to allow breathing space. I suppose for them to work through these difficulties and uh, decide how that will be done into the future. So. All I can say to you is that um, there isn't a long term commitment made to the external auditors until we work through this, mm. and until the minister and the government do make the big decisions that have to be made on the future funding of RT and whether it does come under the Auditor Controller General as well.
0: Now, much has been made of whether or not the RT board, which is a politically appointed board, has the skill set really to run an organisation like RTE. I mean, the the chairwoman obviously has had a background in running Ardmore Studios and all the rest of it, uh, so there are competences there. Uh, but generally, looking around the board, you're wondering, you know, do they have the skill set to run a massive organisation like RTE? The same question might be put to the committees, the PAC and your own committee. Do you have the competences on board to ask the right questions in the right way to get the right information or is it all about grandstanding and as you have have adverted to negative publicity attaching to your committees?
1: Well I think even yourself Pat your good self have said that you know all of the committee members have come to those committees very well prepared uh, with very insightful questions for the most part there may be there may have been elements of it that could be perceived as grandstanding but for the most part I have to say My colleagues would have put in hours and hours of preparation before any committee hearing. And those committee hearings are limited to three hours. And each each member, you must remember, is usually limited to anything between seven and 10 minutes. There's not a whole pile of time for people to interrogate. So they have to be smart and bright. But I think when you had had your
0: first committee, uh, Neve, when you had your first committee meeting, I think the following day I may have uh, chatted to you about it. Uh, or certainly we talked about the role of the two committees and the questioning of witnesses uh, by one committee in the morning and another committee in uh, in the afternoon. And as you also pointed out, you you know, people who are members of both committees, it's like, you know, you have a boxer on the ropes and he shouldn't be going back into the ring again for a second round. <laughs> but, mm. but he goes in and he gets, you know, battered again by, by the very same person who might have battered him uh, in the morning. Um, so the the question I was asking is, uh, at that time, was in a normal kind of inquiry, uh, someone would say, a chairwoman or a chairman would say, that question has been asked and answered. But instead, what we got was the same question being asked again and again. Do you know, well, it would be like having ten, be 10 barristers... I'll ask him the same questions of a witness in a courtroom. Well, to
1: be honest, Pat, and I know you did watch it very closely, it was very difficult to elicit information on a lot of questions. There was a lot of skirting around things, circumventing uh, issues, and it wasn't always, we didn't always get straight answers, and it did take time, as you know. And when I say time, I don't mean just time within the meeting. It took a number of weeks to actually get, The proper answers uh, and fulsome answers that you know committee members not only could uh, accept but also for the secretariat the secretariat has a huge body of work here to do in recording uh, the minutes of the meeting and following up on what extra material is required and then a report has to be done so there's a huge amount of work I mean people didn't really go over questions to be fair if they got a straight answer and that was part of the problem for us could I just go back to one of the pieces you talked about the the board members I have sat on the interview panel and um, for some of the the committee members, and I do know that the secretariat with the, within the committee they put in a huge amount of work. I mean, it is all d- done through publicjobs. ie. Sure. For anybody who wants to join the board, there is certain criteria that people must meet. There's always a skill set that's required and asked for in terms of people who yeah. are applying. No, to but the all job. I was
0: all so, I was making the point is that questions would be asked about the skill set on the board. Uh, the only thing you have to be on a committee in Doyle-Aaron is to be. Popular with your electorate and get yourself voted in. It doesn't matter whether you've been a school teacher or a janitor or a neurosurgeon, your principal skill is getting elected. Isn't that so?
1: Well that's true but I mean everybody does bring uh, a skill set to whatever their background by, might be there are some people with legal minds there are some people with educational minds and there's lots of people with financial minds and a lot of it is common sense and I think any of us who are there and have got ourselves elected are there based on our ability yeah. uh, to be practical be- Before and common, I
0: let you go neither there a, a couple of uh, points made by listeners uh, on the WhatsApp from uh, Robert in Cork these committees are political theatre with both vying for the limelight to get their soundbites in about a failed show wasting two million euro, please ask when the committees will begin investigating the 1,000 times the cost of the toy show being spent on the children's hospital. Another one. Those two committees have made a circus out of the whole RTV controversy. You'd imagine that two committees examining the same thing would at least liaise before inviting people in. All about grandstanding by politicians, duplications of questions and so on.
1: And that's exactly my point, Pat. It's to try and avoid that, it's to try and make uh, the work more coherent and to draw, I suppose, a clear line about the work of the media, and which is oversight, it's governance, it's accountability, it's trans- transparency. PAC have a different body of work to do, which is about following the money and that's what we're attempting and to do. You do you think
0: they'll be dragging their own colleagues, the members of uh, Doyle Aaron who were responsible for the children's hospital debacle before a committee? I mean, can... TDs be gla- dragged before committees by TDs
1: well, as you know, witnesses who come before um, before committees often get their opportunity to to interrogate political decisions are made, and of course that's your job Pat, and, and the job of the media who do uh, no, it. no no, job that's not the point
0: that. I'm making is there is a terrible scandal at the heart of the children's hospital. You know, starting with a budget of 400 million and now at two and a quarter billion and it's going to cost more, we know, because BAM are not going to lose every cost battle in in, uh, the the, uh, courts. Um, So, you know, the politicians were at the heart of those decision making uh, processes. Are they going to be hauled before any committee to answer for their sins?
1: Well, I suppose the, the truth of it is the public will decide on that, Pat. And I'm, I'm trying to be as honest as I can with you. We do have a Minister for uh, Health. There has been previous Ministers for Health before this. It has been a long-running saga. And I'm not standing over what this has cost the taxpayer, or the government, or any, or the Department of Health in terms of uh, the black hole it has been mm-hmm. um, to to build, and the cost behind the Children's Hospital, and I have no doubt the day will come when questions will be asked and answered on on the particular oh. expenditure that it has cost.
0: Neve, thank you once again for joining us. That's Neve Smith, Fianna Fáil TD for Cavan Monaghan and Chairwoman of the Oroctus Media Committee. Jack Organ Jones, listening to all of that, what do you make of it?
2: Well, look, I've spent more than my fair share of time covering these committees since this scandal erupted uh, last June, I think it was. And um, I can see both sides of the argument, to be frank. I, like, you do, when you go down to these things and you sit there for, you know, sometimes three, four five hours, you do see more than a fair share of grandstanding. You do see people going in who haven't prepared. You do see people going in who haven't bothered listening to the first half and are rocking in late and ask a question that's already been asked and answered. And you do see a fair degree of time wasting. But for all that, that being said, I think that the committee system has also shown its worth and its import at different times throughout this scandal. So once you wade through all of that, which I just described, there have been moments, most recently the moment when Kevin Backers disclosed exactly the size of the golden handshake payment that was given to Brito O'Keefe for €450,000. Now that's something that came to light because of questioning that happened in mm. the committees. So yes, there is this element of grandstanding and, you know, they are are populated by politicians and politicians are going to act politically. And sometimes that can be tiresome and sometimes it can be repetitive. But there have been nuggets of value extracted. There has been good work done in the in-between times. What is interesting now is just how long it's gone on for uh, and whether... This kind of system of two committees going at it like a bull at a gate can be sustained going forward, or whether they're going to have to actually think of a more structured way of doing this, because the scandal seems to just show this 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 quality where it continues to unspool in new directions and not and not not stop. So there is something always of interest to a committee to go after.
0: Now, the the um, subject of the day is uh, the legal advice given to uh, RTE and the Director General Kevin Backhurst about what can be disclosed, and it would appear that the only way any disclosure of something that is confidential and agreed legally between two parties is through a court order.
2: That does seem to be the advice. So last week when uh, when it began to emerge that Kevin Backers himself had been involved in agreeing some some golden handshakes with departing executives, there was a drumbeat of pressure coming to bear both on RTE and, and also on Kevin Backers publicly or personally rather to disclose as much in public about these agreements as possible as a kind of holding maneuver i think more than anything else uh, he said look i've i've had uh, legal advice on this. I've been told I can't do it, but to buy himself time, I suspect, he said, I'll go back, I'll get new legal advice and we'll see what that says. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done that. He's got the legal advice in. It was passed to government last night and it seems from a report this morning that, as you say, the legal advice offers perhaps a small chink of light but not a substantial yeah. change in stance whereby they're saying that the only thing that they can do or the only uh, way in which some of these details could be released off the back of a court order now, who would seek that on what grounds and indeed whether a court be minded to give it is another yeah. argument entirely.
0: Yeah, because the idea that you go to court and automatically you get a court order, that's not a given by any means because the judges would be looking and say, you know, has has wrong been done here? You know, uh, is the confidentiality designed, you know, has was it designed to cover up wrongdoing or criminality or whatever? If it was, of course, uh, he would certainly grant a, an order. But if this was just normal business, however, we may not like The way the business was done, but if it was normal business without any legal wrongdoing, it's unlikely that the court order would be given, I suspect.
2: I suspect that's right. I mean, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not an expert on these things, but I do know that the courts will be rigorous in balancing both the the interests or the arguments of the person seeking the order, but also the privacy rights and so on of the person on the receiving end of that order. And as you say, unless they can, unless something that emer- emerges to suggest malfeasance, which is not in the public domain uh, at the moment, then you'd find it hard to, to to see the compelling legal legal argument that would that would override those privacy yeah. rights that do exist for the people who are party to these. These, uh, these agreements
0: one of the things that's intriguing me is you know this idea that public monies anything done with public monies cannot be confidential. you know if we go for you know how much are you paying racket Hall to put up asylum seekers, how much are you paying the d hotel they won't tell us
2: it does seem to be a uh, a fairly flexible argument that is deployed uh, when it suits i mean like i I write. As part of my uh, as part of my work, many the Freedom of Information requests and try to find out as much as humanly possible about about you know the the goings on of the state. Um, and one of the most common grounds for rejection is is something approaching commercial sensitivity, you know, and 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 so the idea that there is not grounds upon which the state asserts either on commercial grounds or uh, within the ambit of protecting the state's interests, you know, a broad veil of secrecy over many of its Uh, activities is kind of, it's kind of laughable to be honest when you're on the receiving end of it so often. Alright, Jack
0: Morgan-Jones a political correspondent with the Irish Times, thank you very much The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance weekdays at 9am on News Talk.